This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host as ever, Mo Stewart, and I'm joined by my A-team, James Martin and Ben Belchak. Now, while Jürgen and the boys have already gone on to the next one, their minds are already fully focused on Benfica. For the rest of us, I think we're still taking a second to absorb that titanic title throwdown that happened at the Etihad on Sunday where Liverpool and Man City drew 2-2. James, we've had a little bit of time to digest it now. How are you feeling about the match? Yeah, it's one of them. I don't know if I've still digested it really, even though we have had the time. It was, yeah, it's such a tricky one. Like you say, it was really billed as that kind of, well, I'll use your phrase. It was nice, wasn't it? The Titanic title throwdown. Um, but yeah, it was ultimately indecisive, wasn't it? Ending in the draw. It's um, almost unsatisfactory from the kind of decider perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, Man City probably the happier of the two with the result. They know they just need to win the last seven, which, you know, we'll discuss in, in more <laughs> detail. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's still very much all to play for. Seven games left, one point in it. So nice. I think, yeah, whenever you're going away to the Etihad and you're behind twice and you come away with a draw, you have to say, well, okay, fair enough. They're such a behemoth of a team. You know, they, they've been so expensively assembled that, you know, of course, if you come away with a point, I don't think it can ever be a disastrous result. No. Um so, yeah, I think on reflection, much as it's disappointing not to really flip the momentum on its head, um, it, it has to go down as a pretty good result. I think so. It's a, It was very much billed, as James said, Ben, as the big decider, the Premier League final, as I called it, winner takes all, but there was no winner. And we are finding ourselves in a position very similar to the 18-19 season, where after the last decisive battles between the two, there was a long winning streak towards the end of the season for both teams. But unfortunately, Liverpool's nine-game streak was in vain. A City put together 14 straight wins to win the title by one single point. Now, there were some people at the beginning of the game who were very much of the opinion of, we'll take the draw because, as James said, going to Man City is still a very hard time. This not going to be that way this season. There's lots of points to be dropped. Were you in that camp? And if so, having seen the game play out, the way the City took the lead inside the first five minutes and Liverpool were able to come back. Are you still happy with the point now? I mean, I was in the camp that I wanted Liverpool to win, obviously. <laughs> so I wasn't going in there for a draw. Uh, but based on the performance, based on seeing how good City were, I've, I'll happily take the draw. And I, I'm going to look at that draw as a glass half full instead of half empty thing, you know, because... Uh, I just wrote a piece for Liverpool.com sort of taking a look at City's previous seven games in the lead up to this Liverpool game. And, and they dropped, I think, um, five more points than Liverpool in that time. And, um, you know, yes, there was a defeat to Tottenham and Liverpool have to face Tottenham at, um, at home, which will be a difficult game. But there was also a couple of draws in there against Southampton and uh, mm-hmm. Crystal Palace, which which gives me hope that you know this uh, Pep Guardiola side is not as invincible as they were in the 2018 and 19 season. 
Well, this is very much a glass half full podcast. So we're going to help you in that, Ben, because <clears throat> what we're going to be looking at is the last seven games. We're going to look at the run in for both teams. And just like you said, there may well be some games that people assume Man City will serenely pass through, but maybe they won't. And possibly the same for Liverpool as well. So we're going to be breaking down each of the seven games each team has to go. We're going to look at things like the strength of their opponents. I mean, at this stage of the season, league position is normally a good indicator of how strong a team is. But everyone's got a few danger men who can turn the game here and there. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at form and fitness, which is obviously the most important indicator when you're about to face a side. Now, as we go through the calendar, we're not going to be able to be as accurate with form fitness when we're talking two, three weeks away, but we're going to be able to give us judgment as much as possible. And the key thing at this stage of the season is desire. Now, there are going to be some teams that have got nothing left to play for. Some teams are fighting for their lives. Some teams are fighting for Champions League. So if you happen to have an opponent now, who's got nothing on, it's very different to facing them maybe in November, December. So we're going to take that into account as well. Now, as we are a Liverpool podcast, we're going to start with Liverpool. So, James, let's look at the first Premier League fixture Liverpool have to face, which just so happens to be Manchester United at home. Now, first of all, the strength of their side. Now, I'll give you this one to start with because it's quite enjoyable. Manchester United have a very expensively assembled squad that looked like it was assembled by about 25 different people. In all honesty, how would you assess their strength as a team right now as we sit here today? Well, right now they're awful. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. I mean, Everton rocked up for almost as bad and, you know, United contrived to lose that one, which seemed almost unthinkable. You know, Everton have, are in almost a similar position in the sense that they've they've had more money than sense in recent times. Um and that applies to their manager as well, chucking in, you know, an awful appointment in Frank Lampard. Um, and and yet he's masterminded this victory over, you know, Klopp's father, Ralph Rangnick, who was supposed to be, you know, the messiah for them. Um, so that's really not worked out at all. Like you say, it's um, there's lots of individuals in there who, like, in theory are good, but there's just no cohesion, there's no plan. Um, of course, Rangnick was supposed to be part of this plan he's going into the back room after his interim period or something but it's all it's all very up in the air maybe this Eric Ten Hag is is the solution but yeah you know he's not going to be in for a, until the start of next season so yeah it's it's the time to play them I mean they're, they're, they're a complete they're in complete disarray um I, I just don't see it. I mean we turned them over five nil at Old Trafford and if anything they've got worse since then We've probably got better. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to win 10 nil, but you know, <laughs> I'd be Are you shocked. sure that's not what you're saying. I'd be shocked at anything other than than a fairly comfortable victory, which is, is amazing to say about Manchester United because this is the game that would fill us with dread for so long. But mm. that shows you how far they've fallen and how far Liverpool have ascended. I'll give you a chance to put the boot in now, Ben. Um, James makes a really good point, though. They aren't the same Manchester United that we always think about in our minds. And we have in the past been uh, guilty of playing the occasion rather than the team. But surely after that 5-0 win at Old Trafford, that will eliminate all of that. Uh, Manchester United themselves got injury issues to deal with. They might be forced to go with Pogba and Matic because 
Apparently, McFred is still their preferred midfield partnership, but they might be both injured. Uh, noticeable that they lost their two last away games at City and at Everton, both big atmospheres, something that Liverpool will certainly be hoping to provide when they turn up on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. I think you make a good point about the game being at Anfield because uh, I think a lot of Liverpool's key fixtures against Everton and Tottenham are both at home as well as this Manchester United game in the last seven games. So that gives Liverpool a big advantage playing at home to Anfield. And um, yeah, with, with Manchester United, I think James has pretty much wrapped everything up about the state of Anfield. <laughs> the only thing I can add is you know, the atmosphere clearly rattled them at Goodison Park. You know, you saw Ronaldo smashing a kid's, allegedly smashing a kid's phone, uh, although I think the images were pretty blatant mm-hmm. from that that moment. Um, we'll see what the FA punishment will be, if there is any. But, um, yeah, on the whole, this this Manchester United team lacks any sort of cohesion. There's no unity in there. There's no structure. There's no order. You know, Ralph Ragnick was meant to herald a new dawn, as James said, and, and nothing has happened of the kind. So, for me, I, I can't see anything but a comfortable mm. Liverpool victory. Well, that's good. I feel like we're all unanimous on that. So, for this, we are giving Liverpool three points from this fixture, correct? Okay. <laughs> Moving on to the next one. Everton. <laughs> now we as we mentioned have Everton did just beat Manchester United but they will have another midweek game against Leicester between now and then Ben so there's a chance that any of that goodwill may have already dissipated now we have to talk about what happened at Anfield last season they came they got their win no one was here to see it but they're certainly going to be singing about it this time however this season Everton have a terrible Terrible away record. The worst in the Premier League. Surely this time, there's no chance of them coming away with any points. I I can't see it. I mean, I think the last time Frank Lampard was at Anfield, or maybe it was the last time before that, he was pretty rattled. And that was without supporters in the stands. So (laughs) the fact that there's now going to be supporters in the stands as well, that just gives Liverpool that extra advantage over Everton. And right now, Apart from that victory, which no one saw coming against Manchester United, that hasn't Everton haven't really done anything. If it's been embarrassing, it's been an embarrassing set of results for them um, ever since Lampard took over. Um, there's been very little uh, glimmer of hope that you can sort of clutch onto as an Everton fan. And again, it's the same with Manchester United. I just can't see anything but Liverpool win. Now, that seems to be the way, really. James, doesn't it? I mean, we mentioned with Manchester United about playing the occasion. Liverpool have in the past done that against Everton. But again, the emphatic victory away from home kind of neutralises that element, doesn't it? Yeah, to some extent. Um, it's it's a very similar situation to that United game in many ways, um, in the sense that it's one way you'd look at in the past, maybe with a little bit of trepidation, especially given the circumstances. Liverpool, you know, pushing for this title. You think, oh, are Everton going to show up and just ruin it? Like, uh, but even, you know, even before Everton became this bad, they still had a pretty shocking record at Anfield. I mean, you mentioned last season that broke a long, long drought of results. Um, and you know, if if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to 
to hear it like <laughs> did it even happen um like you say i'm sure they'll be adamant that it did and perhaps have have some songs to mark the occasion but yeah i it's hard to see anything other than a a fairly resounding victory it's it's tricky when they're fighting relegation they do have a lot to play for arguably more than manchester united who you know probably in a conference league scrap at this point <laughs> but um yeah it's the reason they're fighting relegation is because they've struggled to pick up results all season so even if they come extra motivated they don't come with extra quality um so liverpool should still be able to play them off the park three points three points marvelous on to the next one Newcastle away. Now, this becomes a little bit more tricky. Newcastle are in a little bit of improved form, but are still a very much a bottom half of the table side. Um, they are also technically still in the relegation battle, if you listen to Eddie Howe, James. But before we go to St. James's Park, they do have three very winnable games. So do you expect them to maybe have got out of that trouble by the time we arrive? Yeah, I think they're already pretty much out of the trouble. But yeah, they'll have got it all but wrapped up, hopefully, by the time they play Liverpool on the Geordie Shore, done, you know, season over, on the holidays. Um, you know, it's a it's a trickier prospect than, than the reverse fixture because, you know, 95-odd million has been pumped into the squad since then. Um, but yeah, it's... It's still one where Liverpool will be favourites. It's it's more worrying than United and Everton, which says more about the state of those two clubs than anything else. But um, yeah, especially if they have nothing left to play for, you'd think, mm. OK, Liverpool should be fairly routine in picking up another win there. Now, one thing that stats might say that kind of supports that is that Newcastle have only won a third of their home games so far, five out of 15, the goal difference of minus four. But Ben, they may well have Callum Wilson back. They may well have Kieran Trippier back. So again, as James mentioned, they are a, ver- a much improved outfit, but surely one that we can still conquer. Yeah, I think the other thing I would add to that is I remember Liverpool having a pretty decent record against Eddie Howe when he was manager of Bournemouth. So that's an, another, if you're looking at stats or records, that's maybe another one to add to that. Uh, but like even with Wilson and Trippier, I just can't see Liverpool being too troubled if if the likes of Van Dijk and uh, Matip and Konate are all fit for that game. Like mm-hmm. you just you still think Liverpool should have enough to to get through that tie. It's going to be a tricky one uh, visiting the St James Park St James Park or Sport Direct Arena is it still called? Mm-hmm. Who knows? It's, it's it's hard to keep up with those stadium changes but going away to Newcastle is always going to be a difficult game for Liverpool and um, but you know it's just it's hard to not see Liverpool get the three points Mm. Uh, I don't think it will be easy I do think it's going to be more comfortable than when um, it was the 18-19 season when Liverpool were relying on a late Origi masterclass I think it's going to be a bit more comfortable than that hopefully fingers mm. but um, I, I think still going to be they're, they're still you know the likes of John Joe Shelby have caused Liverpool problems in the past as well that who I'd point out as a danger or a threat um, so it, it's, it's going to be far from straightforward but I still expect the three points it's alright he got his goal at Anfield this season he's got it out of his system um, James are you concurring three points at St James's yeah 
Okay, so we'd like to hear. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now comes the tricky part. Spurs at home. Now, I believe this is Liverpool's toughest remaining fixture. I think not just because of the quality Spurs clearly possess, but they've got a great uh, much uh, confidence out of the way they're playing at the moment. They're currently four consecutive Premier League wins. Maybe that run will have broken by the time we see them. But another thing to consider here, James, is the Champions League. We are hoping that this week Liverpool will get the job done against Benfica and then they will be travelling back from either Germany or Spain in the second leg just before this game. Now, that could cause an issue, particularly as uh, Premier League's never really been kind to us in terms of scheduling for around these things. But do you think that this is a real banana skin for Liverpool? Yeah, it's by far the hardest remaining fixture. It's terrifying for a number of reasons. Um, Yeah, like you point out, the Champions League won't help. Um, Spurs essentially just decided to forfeit the Conference League. Um, There was, I think, some fixture issues around COVID and they just binned it off, uh, which has probably helped their season no end. Uh, But yeah, they'll have a lot still to play for. They've come from nowhere under Conte to push for top four which I think they'll probably end up getting, but this will be a big game in terms of those ambitions for them. The way they play is just, if you could set up a team to hurt Liverpool, you'd you'd make Spurs. It's awful. I mean, Kane dropping deep and then playing those passes to try and spring Mm -hmm. the offside trap. Son and Kulisevsky running beyond the defence. The only way Liverpool win is if that offside trap is flawless, which, I mean, it's been very, very good this season. We've caught people offside 50 odd times more than the next best team, but you know, it has to be perfect. It has to be absolutely perfect. Or at least if it's not, then Alisson has to be perfect, which again, he's mostly been this season. But I mean, yeah, even the Aston Villa game, Villa created more chances than Spurs, but it was just bang, 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 bang. Four of those attacks came playing those ridiculous passes, some running onto them and then they were out of sight and it, it could happen to Liverpool so easily. Mm. That Liverpool, the Aston Villa game you mentioned, James, really kind of instructive in what this game needs to be, Ben, because... Aston Villa clearly regretted not taking those chances and Spurs were absolutely clinical. So Liverpool can't afford for that to happen. But one little bit of shed of light in all of this. We all remember City's fantastic performance. Sorry, Spurs' fantastic performance away at Manchester City. But so far, they've lost all the other games away at the traditional big six. So are we kind of putting too much focus on that one result? Uh, I don't think so because... Uh, you know, that that was the most recent result, I think. And uh, it, it's only the last few months when Conte has seemed to have, seems to have like strung this team together and, and, and they're finally sort of playing the football that he would have, have liked to have played at the start of the season. So I think now we see this Conte team coming together and it really reminds me of... Um, when uh, Jose Mourinho came to spoil the party at Anfield in um, the 2013-14 season, mm. uh, I, I kind of have a fear that Conte is going to try and do something similar this time mm. around the uh, Mourinho-esque performance. Um, okay. But I, I, do, I would say it is that Liverpool have a far better attacking squad and a far better team to to prepare for that and you know in 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 the earlier fixture 
um, back in, I think, late December. Liverpool were without Fabinho and a few other key players. Mm. Uh, I think Tyler Morton started. That was his first ever Premier League start. And uh, Liverpool still felt like they should have got a victory away to Tottenham. So maybe we are kind of overestimating their quality. Mm. And I would point out before we get to our score predictions or points predictions, should I say, Spurs' last big away performance was actually getting beat at Old Trafford by Cristiano Ronaldo's hat trick. Just going to say. So, are we as confident? Are we? Is anyone going to say Liverpool will drop points in this fixture? I'm sorry. I think we'll draw. Wow. Okay. Ben, what are you saying? I'm going for a win. I, I think it's going to be a tight, narrow win. But the fact that it's at Anfield, I, I'm expecting a really good atmosphere for this one. I'm expecting that Liverpool have, would have won all their games leading up to Tottenham. Um, mm-hmm. if they could even be top by this point. They could still be trading by one point, which means that the Anfield crowd is going to show up and then it's going to be a massive atmosphere. And uh, that will spur the players on to get the victory. Interesting. Interesting. It appears I found myself in this tiebreaker, which is not what I wanted. Um, I could take both your points on board. I do think the Champions League may well be the deciding factor here. I'm slightly leaning towards James. I think we might end up, there might be another late controversy and we end up another frustrating draw. That's what I'm putting in. Sorry, guys. Logging it as one. Obviously, those of you watching, feel free to disagree in the comments. I know you will. <laughs> so let's look at the next fixture, Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa away from home. I'm sure most of you will have wanted to scrub it from your memory, but last year was a bit of a disaster. Um, we are a very different team to now, so hopefully we won't have to think about it apart from seeing it lots of times in the build-up. But Ben, something else we're going to be hearing a lot about in the build-up to this game are two former players, namely Steven Gerrard and Philip Coutinho. Now, it's going to be a sideshow. We're going to have to get past it. But obviously, in reality, only one of the two can actually hurt us, and that's Coutinho. How do you feel he will approach this game? Do you think it will be something, it could be too much for him? Or do you think he'll be ready to go and proving exactly what we've missed? I think he will be gunning for a bit of revenge. Like, you know, the last time he was with Barcelona, um, Liverpool pretty much obliterated that Barcelona team that, you know, he was meant to win the Champions League with. Uh, I don't think he was involved in that game because he wasn't allowed to play. But still, you know, that I'm sure that left a sore spot in Coutinho. And I think he, want, he will want to prove that, you know, he hasn't entirely been a flop. He's, he shouldn't be forgotten and he shouldn't be discarded. Um, he's still got quality. Um, and and Aston Villa have did cause Liverpool a lot of problems the last time they went to Anfield uh, earlier on in the season with Gerrard. I think people forget that it was only a narrow 1-0 victory. Uh, and, um, yeah, based on that, I think... It's now a different Aston Villa side, but I still think they could cause Liverpool problems. No, they have got some talented players, aside from Coutinho, and they have been one of the teams who have looked like they can cause some of the bigger teams' problems, James. But they don't have the greatest home record. Once again, like Newcastle, they've only won five of their 15 games. And 
I think the form and when we talk about Desire at the top of the show, they are very much one of the teams who might be susceptible to this. And we'll mention this when they play Manchester City later on. I think we're in a situation here, but by the time we play them, they really won't have anything else to play for. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, ben wrote a piece which will be out by the time this is out, I think, about um, about essentially that, how Gerard started strongly at, at Villa and has been on a bit of a slide essentially since safety was all but wrapped up. Whether that's a motivation thing or whether it's something else, it's hard to say, but there's no denying that they don't necessarily look quite as dangerous as they first did when Coutinho arrived, injection of, of quality, you know, lifted the place and got a, strung a few good results together, a few good performances. They are still dangerous. I mean, we talked about that that Spurs game where they did look quite good, but just still lost quite convincingly. So, mm. you know, that could have gone differently. But when when you're flagging up a 4-0 loss as the reason to be worried about it, then you're thinking, OK, well, Liverpool should probably be OK. Um, yeah, of yeah. course, the former the former player aspect is a worry, just in the sense that just for pure narrative, you could see Coutinho slapping one in the top corner from outside the box. But, you know, it's... Um, Hopefully he does it in a 5-1 loss rather than anything else. Liverpool should have too much, so I'm, I'm fairly confident. I think we can be quite uh, unanimous and quick about this one. Three points all rounds. Any dissenters? No. Marvellous. I wish I had a gavel. <laughs> that would work very well at this stage. Okay, penultimate game of the season now. A trip to St Mary's to play Southampton. Now... Obviously, most people's most recent memories of St. Mary's is them getting pumped 6-0 by Chelsea. And we have seen, James, Southampton get pumped by quite a few people. Now, they are another team likely to have uh, settled all of what needs to be settled by the the season's tasks and ambitions. So I think this is one where we can say we can probably predict Liverpool will have as maybe the most comfortable of the seven games remaining? Should be. Um, the way they set up is very nice for Liverpool. They're used to teams sitting very deep and just going direct with some counter-attacks, testing the high line, whereas Southampton will probably be playing a high-ish line of their own. They'll certainly be looking to press. And, you know, you have to do that so well to cause Liverpool any problems. I mean, Man City managed to unsettle us with their press, but not many manage it. Um, and the trade-off is the massive space that will be in behind. We saw last time we played RB Leipzig, there was a similar situation and they just got picked off time and time again. Mm-hmm. Liverpool could have wrapped up a massive score there if they'd been more clinical. Similarly with Southampton, who are trying to do it with probably worse players, if, if Liverpool turn up in the mood and actually finish their chances, could be their annual nine-goal fest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, It probably won't be. Liverpool have maybe not looked at their sharpest clinical best for a little while but you know they'll they'll take enough of the chances to yeah as you say hopefully win in the most comfortable fashion of all of those remaining games well something to give our strikers a little bit of encouragement ben uh southampton have kept two clean sheets in all competitions since november the 5th two surely surely most salah sadio mani hears that that's all they need to know yeah, I think it's a pretty young backline for Southampton at the moment, which probably impacts that statistic because they're still very much learning their trade. And um, I don't think it's a measure of the quality that Southampton do have at the back. I think it's just that they're still, all, you know, they're all, I think, Salisu is very young, Bednarek is fairly young, uh, obviously Livermento and Kyle Walker-Peters, they're all 
very young players. And I think that's something that plays a role in that statistic. But that that's also something that's encouraging for Liverpool because there is going to be mistakes in that back four. Just like I think James's comparison to Leipzig is very apt because mm. it was a similar situation with Leipzig where they had two young centre-backs uh, who made a few mistakes in, in that tie between Liverpool last season. And um, I, I, I expect a similar sort of game. Okay, so I think that one can be quite easily dealt with as well. Three points all round for Liverpool. Marvellous. And the final fixture of the season, Wolves at home, just like it was in 1819, just to add that little extra bit of spice. Now, Ben, we are going to be talking up Wolves very soon when we talk about Manchester City. So I'm going to be too careful not to contradict myself here. Liverpool have done well when Wolves have come to Anfield in the past. But this season under Bruno Large, they do look a very good team on the road. They've won eight out of their 16 games so far. So if, and as we all hope, the title is still very live, unless we've already won it by this point, this is still going to be a very tough fixture, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm feeling optimistic personally because it is my birthday and Liverpool have never lost on my birthday. <laughs> so <laughs> from that personal point of view, I feel pretty good about the game um but with, with wolves as well they've been a sort of under under the radar i think this season people tend to not recognize how good they've done you know they've been a solid mid-table team uh throughout the campaign they have players who can be dangerous in attack um but again like if liverpool do still have something to play for you'd expect Klopp to go with his strongest 11. And that strong 11 is should get the results, should get the three points. I think that's a fair assumption that we'll be going strong for the final game. I mean, even if there is still a Champions League final to come after the final game of the season, I think it will be a good training for us to go as strong as possible. Now, James, the thing with Wolves, as we mentioned, they will be playing Manchester City as well. They will have given them lots of problems. So we need to kind of be level when we're talking about this. They may well still be in the mix for Europe by the time we get to the final game of the season. It's a strange season for them because every time they've looked like really breaking into that top four Europa League race, they've had a few bad results. But this is the kind of team who, if they have got something to play for, can set up with a game plan. And as we remember from the last game, they know how to make it really difficult. Yeah, I think my pre-season predictions are on a one-year delay because I said they'd finish seventh last season when, in fact, they were right down towards the bottom. Um, and then this year, like you say, they've come roaring back. They are competing for that sort of spot. Uh, so by that logic, Leeds will be pushing for the Champions League next season, which is good news for them, uh, as I predicted for this season, which has gone horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, it's like you say, a lot of it is it's down to the manager. They, they've They've picked a good one, it seems, in Bruno Lage. He's, he's, he's made them look a lot more solid. Um, as Ben said, they are somewhat under the radar. They don't necessarily get discussed too much. And yeah, it, it's it's probably because of that point you make, Mo, that when they get close to really upsetting the apple cart, they put together a couple of dodgy results and they're, mm. they're dropping off a bit. Um, you mentioned they could be scrapping for Europe. It's also very possible that that's tied up by then. Um, they may have 
just missed out or they may even have secured it obviously things have to be very tight for it to go down to the last day of the season Liverpool are thinking that'll almost certainly be the case at the very top of the table but whether it applies um, for those European spots remains to be seen so I think yeah I think there'll be some hope that Wolves are, are done by then their season is is over one way or the other but even if it's not yes it's going to be tricky I, I wouldn't have it down as a big win like maybe we're tipping for for Southampton United Everton um, but yeah I think with the pressure on the line, Liverpool have delivered time and time again. So if if the title is still on the line in that last day of the season, I'd be very surprised if, if Liverpool mm-hmm. messed up. I'm with you. I, I think we won that game in 18-19 against Wolves quite comfortably, as it turns out. And I think this will be no different. Ben, what do you think? Three points? Yeah, I have to agree. I, I think it's going to be three points. Okay. So in that case, we have our final Premier League points total for Liverpool. 92 points. That's what we're thinking Liverpool will finish on, which is a very, very good season. Not as outstanding season as it was in 1819, but it may well be good enough. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's look now at Manchester City and see what they've got. Now, their first game coming up is Brighton at home which unfortunately for those looking for good omens is not the best place to start because, Ben, Brighton have collected zero points and conceded 10 goals on four Premier League visits to the Etihad. They've also lost an FA Cup quarterfinal there since they come back into the Premier League. They looked good in their last game against Arsenal away from home, but the expectation is here that City will have too much for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm hoping for a big favour from Enoch Mwepo, who looked very good against Arsenal, and he's a big Liverpool fan. You know, he's already scored against Liverpool at Anfield, so it's only right as a Liverpool fan to score <laughs> against the Atiyad and do Liverpool a favour. I'm hoping for that, hopefully, fingers crossed. But in all seriousness, I, I, having seen how Brighton were at home to Liverpool, where Liverpool should have won that game way more comfortably than the 2-0 result, um, in that game, I just can't I can't see past City at the moment, unfortunately. It is tough. And I think even if I give some positive stats now, James, it's going to feel like slightly condescending. But I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Brighton have lost only three of their 15 away league games, including draws at Liverpool, as Ben mentioned, and at Chelsea, and a win at Arsenal. Now, between this game and uh, now, they will also be playing away at Spurs. So... If they get a result away at Spurs, two big results in North London back-to-back, then going to Manchester City, surely they're never going to get a better chance. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave us a little bit of hope. But, I mean, they did that in 18-19, didn't they? And it lasted all of about 60 seconds. Um, Yeah, I could see that happening again. Maybe they'll either hold City off for a little while or maybe even nick one themselves. Um, You know, they always look dangerous that they're a decent team. Graham Potter has obviously earned lots of plaudits for what he's done there. Uh, he's probably got them punching above their weight in terms of the individual quality. And as Ben points out, there's been some fairly smart recruitment and Wepu looks mm-hmm. good. You know, Basuma going back a couple of years, he's sort of developed into one who people have been taking a, a strong look at. Liverpool have been linked. Um, Aston Villa, newly flush with cash, have been quite heavily linked recently. So yeah, that, there's good players in there and they're coached well, which always gives them a chance. 
So I wouldn't completely rule out an upset, but yeah, I think in the end, even if even if they hang on for a little while, it'll end up something like 4-2. Yeah, I don't think anyone's brave enough to give Brian a point here, are they? No. no. So Manchester City win. Move on to the next fixture, which is, oh, look, Watford at home. How did it... Anyway. <laughs> so yes, if you thought Brighton had a bad record against Manchester City, wait till you hear this one, James. City have scored 21 goals in their last four games against Watford. Four. Now, if you're a Watford fan, are you even turning up to this game? Well, I mean, my dad is a Watford fan. Uh, he won't be going. <laughs> no, no, so yeah, I've sat through a fair few of those games and it, it's never pretty. It's, it's the most mismatched, repeatedly mismatched fixture I've ever witnessed. Um, there was the FA Cup a couple of seasons back, wasn't there? And that was just embarrassing. Like, uh, yeah, it's um, it's just a complete... They're playing different sports almost. It's it's absurd. Um, but there's just no way this will be anything other than a massive Manchester City win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was seven, eight, nine. It, I mean, they could hit double figures. It would it very much within their reach. It's, yeah, we can write this one off. Now... The counterpoint, and it might be a slightly weak one, I admit, is that they have seemed to stiffen up defensively significantly under Roy Hodgson, Ben. Um, they have been a better team away from home than at home. We've got t- more than twice as many points, even though that's only still 15 to 7. Um, I'm trying here, but <laughs> I have a feeling that there's no real confidence of anyone getting Watford getting anything out of this one either, is there? Well... <laughs> The only thing I can think of is, has Roy Hodgson ever been relegated as a manager in the Premier League? Um, and I don't think I, so. I seem to think he has a pretty good record at keeping you know, um, teams up in the league. Right now, I've just looked at the table, they're six points adrift. Uh, so I wonder if there's a late surge coming from Watford, potentially, you know, under Hodgson. And maybe a good counter-attacking football is the way to go. I mean, you know, I remember Sunderland getting a result against uh, Manchester City mm-hmm. back in the 2013-14 season. Nobody, nobody would have expected that. And I just think you just never know. You know, like it, it would be it would be written in the stars for Roy Hodgson to do it as well. Um, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> he's done Liverpool so many favours in the park. Exactly, it's only right he does something right. Uh, so, okay, are you are you sticking your neck on on the line here? Are you saying Watford will get a point? I wouldn't be surprised. Let Let's say Let's say You know what? Okay, no, go ahead. Speak your truth, Ben. Seriously, I would never, I would never want to stop you saying what you feel. I am going to overrule you, though, because that's just not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately, I think the two, James and myself, have the deciding vote. So, yes, three points go to Watford. Now's when it gets interesting. Leeds away. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Mo, did Man City not beat Leeds 7-0 earlier this season? And I'll say yes. Yes, they did. But... Ben, I think we can all agree that Bielsa's leads and Jesse Marsh's leads are two very different teams, not just in terms of confidence, but in terms of style. The kind of wide open spaces that people are used to seeing at Allen Road have seemed to have been closed up a little bit. Now, that may not necessarily be enough to close the gap entirely, but 
Leeds are the kind of team that have given City the problems in the past, aren't they? I, I don't really remember Leeds causing problems. I do remember the 7 0. I don't know. Have they caused? Uh, they got a draw last season at Ellen Road, 1 1 draw. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. For personally, I'm just not a huge fan of Jesse Marsh as a defensive uh, coach. I don't think he's quite good at shoring up his defense. And, you know, he's some of his best results, for example, at Salzburg were the 4-3 at Anfield where they conceded four goals and uh, as much as they are exciting going forward, I think they leave a lot of space in behind them and as a result, I just think City will enjoy it, that this game kind of suits City mm-hmm. to get the best out of their attackers. Uh, you know, the reason why I said Watford, they may struggle against Watford is because they don't really have an out-and-out finisher at City, they have a lot of creative players, but um, that's why they struggled against Southampton and uh, Crystal Palace, for example. But in this game, I think the likes of Sterling, Foden, De Bruyne are going to get loads of space and they they will take their chances eventually. So uh, Ben makes a good point about their uh, defensive solidity because they have only kept one clean sheet so far under Jesse Marsh and that was against Watford. But James, the flip side of that, and you thought I wasn't going to mention it, but yes, I am going to mention it. You predicted Leeds to do very well at the start of this season, so you should have no problem talking them up now. They're currently on a four-game unbeaten run, three wins in that four. They were a decent bet to stretch that to five against Crystal Palace in the intervening game. <clears throat> if they do, that may take them as many as 10 points clear of Burnley, admittedly having to play two games more. Leeds are the kind of team that once they get a little bit of momentum behind them, they can do remarkable things. They have that kind of magic touch that sometimes we see at Anfield. How do you rate their chances in this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad I got out ahead of you and uh, admitted my Leeds prediction before you could <laughs> spring it on me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's possible. It's, it's certainly more possible than Watford. Um, but yeah, it's I, I do agree with with Ben probably more more than you in terms of the Jesse Marsh assessment. He's good. I do like him as a coach, but mm-hmm. I think that he was appointed to at least have some sort of continuity with the Bielsa style. Of course, it's not exactly the same, but he does still like all, a lot of the similar principles, mm-hmm. high pressure, high intensity, even at the expense of potentially leaving some of those gaps at the back. And it will work against a lot of teams, whether it will work against City, I don't know. It's almost like Brighton in a sense, where you, you've got this team who are sort of, committed to these laudable principles of playing progressive football despite being towards the wrong end of the table. And it it's probably the way to go in terms of playing, you know, 12 or 13 teams out of the 20. But when you come up against the top six, you'll maybe cause some problems. And, you know, occasionally you'll get the upset and Liverpool will be hoping this is one of those occasions. But for the most part, it, it does run the risk of maybe playing into the hands of the bigger teams. Mm. Interesting. OK, I'll throw one more spanner in the works to see if anyone wants to buy it. This is also the fixture that will have a potential Champions League semi-final either side of it. So they will be most likely facing Real Madrid. I think most of us are counting out Chelsea at this stage. So there might be a situation where some players may need to be rested. That might necessarily give Leeds a little bit chink of light. Is anybody taking up any chance of Leeds getting a point here? That is an interesting one, to be fair. Like... 
it tips it a little bit, you know. Go on, I'll take it. Two all. It'll be it'll be an open game, but some clinical finishing from Leeds, maybe less so from a tired City team. I'll, I'll take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on. They can drop some points there. All right, Ben, are you on the train? Hi, I'm not a huge fan of Jesse Marsh, and I I can't. I don't think he will get a result. I don't think he's a. He, he had a disastrous spell at RB Leipzig, uh, which I've watched a lot of games of, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he will, he will be Liverpool's hope. Or I don't, I, I, I'm expecting a very comfortable City win. Well, I feel like you might be focusing too much on Jesse Marsh here. I'm going to focus on another man who might well be the spanner, and that's Mr. Calvin Phillips. We've just come back into the side. James and I, once again, on the same page. I'm sorry, you're out voted again. This is going to be a draw. I do also think both teams will score. I do think that Man City may well feel that they're unlucky. Guardiola might even be a little bit unhappy with some of the decisions that go at vociferous Ellen Road. But it's a point. On to the next one. Manchester City have to go. Newcastle at home. Now, obviously, we played Newcastle and we spoke a lot about their uh, potential uh, on-the-beach status, let's call it that. Um, They will also be travelling to the Etihad where they have a very, very bad record, although the majority of that is down to Sergio Aguero. James, this one feels a little bit easier to predict. Yeah, I mean, yes, well, yes and no. Uh, Like you say, probably... Probably that element of the season being over will decide it, but it's it's a bit of an unknown, really, because like I mean, we talk about the previous record. You mentioned Aguero's gone, and he was a big part of that. But equally, it's just a completely different Newcastle side. Everyone who plays them is is kind of playing a new team now. I mean, partly Eddie Howe, but I I don't really credit him with the turnaround as much as I credit the massive influx of cash and fairly fairly astute January signing. You have to say that too, because. To be fair, when City first got a ton of money, they spent it quite poorly for quite a long time before they got their act together. Newcastle have maybe been a bit smarter from the off, uh, and you know, credit in that sense. But yeah, it's, it is a it is a different team to any to to the Newcastle that anyone's played before. So I, I wouldn't necessarily jump straight in to say yeah, it's it's definitely an easy win. But I mean, yeah, going back to Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, he he did play quite open. He's maybe been a little bit tighter at the back with Newcastle in, in the in the attempt to stave off relegation, but you know that that wasn't an Amanda Stavely pun, by the way. Um, but yeah, <laughs> oh, see, you should have really, you should have just left it out there, so we'd always be wondering. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I you know I could I could see it, but no, if I'm if I'm having to stick my neck out, I, it's it's yeah, City will win probably. I think considering this is at the Etihad, Ben, is a large part of why I'm thinking it will be an easier task than Liverpool face against Newcastle. Um, Wanting to kind of reiterate this terrible record on the road, they've literally won three games all season away from St. James's Park. They've got a goal difference of minus 16. That just sounds like um, (laughs) something that Manchester City will take and extend. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't see City not winning this. I think this is going to be an easy win for them. Yeah, unfortunately so. Um, Geordie's proved me wrong, although not the week before against Liverpool, please. So that's three points. Moving on. Now, there is something very important we'll have to mention before the end uh, about a fixture that is still yet to be decided when, 
I will be mentioning at the end. So we're going on to the next official chronological fixture, which is West Ham away. Now, <clears throat> this has been a game that lots of Liverpool fans have kind of focused on, Ben, as one where West Ham are a strong team with a lot of good players, particularly in attack, particularly good at set pieces. The kind of team who have in the past got some of those qualities that City don't like. But where we are in the season right now, they do look to be running out of gas slightly, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, they lost uh, at the weekend and they do look a bit jaded now. It, it seems like those European places, uh, you know, they they wanted that Champions League really badly. It seems like that's kind of out of the question now. And, uh, you know, a lot will depend on whether they're still in the Europa League, uh, you know, because they're still in the Europa League, right? They are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So a, a lot. A lot, a lot will depend on that as well, um, because if they're still in the Europa League, they don't have the squad, I think, to deal with competing on two fronts. Mm. And then I can easily see them resting players in the Premier League and going full gun ho at, at the Europa League, um, playing the, those knockout rounds. And uh, for that reason, I think mm. if they're still winning contention if they're still competing in the Europa League then they will likely lose this but on the other hand if they get eliminated and um, you know they they have to do well to make sure they're in the Europa League or in the Conference League next season then um, I can potentially see an upset mm. uh, so I think a lot will depend on where they're at uh, with this game the Europa League does put an interesting spin on everything, doesn't it, James? Because Ben's right. If they, if for example, they go out this week to Leon, that means that in the convening two weeks between now and this fixture, David Moyes will have seven days to rest and to plan, which with some managers, particularly a little manager like him, can be advantage. However, if at this stage West Ham are still in the Europa League, it will mean that they've beaten Leon and beaten Barcelona over two legs and reached the final. Now, you can't tell me that if they are in the Europa League final, having beaten Barcelona, they're going to be confident playing against Manchester City. Yeah, I, I didn't realise that was how the, the draw had panned out. They, they were one all against Lyon at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I didn't realise that they had Barca next. I thought that would, have been, that would be the potential final. I must have got that wrong. But either way, yeah, there's, there's, good, there's good opposition that they have to get past. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, that does help make the case for them. But I, I do tend to agree with Ben that it's more advantageous to Liverpool if they're out of the Europa League. Because mm -hmm. um, we have to bear in mind as well, there's a Champions League spot on the line for the for the winners of the Europa League. Yeah. So right now, Moyes is probably looking at it like, OK, it's, it's a long shot in the league. It's still just about mathematically on, especially with the form of some of the other contenders, you know, Spurs aside, we've, we've seen people maybe falter a little bit. Um, but, you know, if they get through this tie against Leon, they're probably thinking, well, our best bet is to get this massive upset win in the Europa League. Um, and I say massive upset, it would be an upset. But, I mean, financially speaking, of course, Barcelona, you know, have more. But in, in terms of most of the Europa League teams, you know, basically any of the Premier League teams are similarly bankrolled to big teams in other leagues. So it, it would be an upset. It would be a massive achievement that wouldn't want to take anything away from West Ham's Europa League journey. But equally, they have a decent chance. They have good players, well-paid players. It's 
I said, fairly expensively assembled squad. And mm. yeah, they have a decent chance of it. But yeah, if they are still going in Europe, probably no real chance against City. But yeah, I mean, there's some there's some handy players. And if they're they're really scrapping for, for Europe in the league by that point, it could happen. Maybe Jared Bowen's going to announce himself to Liverpool <laughs> with, a, with a late winner. Who knows? Oh, the Jared Bowen chat. We had to elbow him in there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> put cards on the table time how many points do we think Manchester City will get from this fixture James I'll go with you first uh, I'll play it a bit safer after after the rogue lead shout I'll, I'll rein it in and say, say City will win <clears throat> Ben yeah same for me I think it's going to be three points well in that case it doesn't matter what I think but I happen to agree with the both of you I think that will be three points the blood red podcast from the Liverpool Echo Final game of the season for Manchester City is a home game against Aston Villa. Now, we've already spoken a lot about Aston Villa when we talked about Liverpool and we mentioned the Gerard and Coutinho factor. Well, they very much come into play with this one again. This is something else. Another scenario that's been flagged up quite a lot by Liverpool fans. The idea of our two former sons coming to do the business for us. Now, James, it would make a fantastic movie, but is it anything other than just fantasy? It, it might be. It might be. I mean, the Premier League loves a narrative. You'd have said, is it anything other than just fantasy when Aguero scored in the 94th minute to, to win the league? So, you know, these things do happen. It's, it's yeah, the amount of times that the league seems to follow this almost preset narrative, it's it's quite a lot, you know. That's why when people say you couldn't write it, it's like, well, you sort of could write it. In fact, if you were writing it, that's exactly how you'd write it. Um, so, I mean, it could happen. I mean, it would, it would be, yeah, especially if it were, if it were Coutinho to to inflict the damage. I think all would be forgiven. Um, and then, you know, if if it's one of his trademark long shots as well, you know, it sort of exercises the demons of company deciding he can slap one in from thirty yards in the April nineteenth <laughs> season. So everything at once, it would just it would just be perfect. Um and yeah, Gerard as well adds to the narrative. I I, I could see it. If it comes down I mean, if if they need to win, probably not. But if it comes down to it and the pressure's on and, and, and Manchester City know that they need to they need to get the win. Um, then, yeah, I, I I could see it happening, you know, I really could. I mean, we should probably throw Danny Ings' name into the mix as well, Ben, because he's another former Red. And while we're not necessarily saying that Aston Villa have quality to go to the Etihad and dominate, they certainly have the quality to go to the Etihad and maybe take a 1-0 early lead, maybe even a 2-0 early lead. Because on the face of it, again, you look at Aston Villa's away record and it doesn't look great. They only Everton have lost more than them on the road, 10 out of 16. But of their four wins, six of them have come under Steven Gerrard in the last eight games. So they are fixing whatever problems they had. And this is the perfect way to, to kind of punctuate all of those plans that Steven Gerrard's been building to and to look forward to next season. Yeah, you took Ings' name out of my mouth. I was going <laughs> to um, I can see an Ings penalty or something playing a role. Uh, but... In addition to all of that, I think um, I, I remember watching Aston Villa against City earlier on in the season and City won 2-1 away from home. Uh, and that was a game where they were very fortunate and very mm-hmm. lucky to come away with three points. Aston Villa had loads of chances and they caused 
city plenty of problems and and, and that's what I take heart in uh, is that Jared has already kind of gotten the better of Guardiola or he's seen a template that could work uh, I think there was a, a penalty shout there that Villa could have or maybe should have gotten um, which which was unfortunate and um, you know I, the, the, the magic of it of the, the fact that Gerard does have a few former Liverpool players. You know, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be eager to get that victory or, or make City drop points because that will be a big statement for his career as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think his career will be on the line. And, and I think as much as Villa don't have anything to play for, they do need to start picking up results. And Gerard does need to sort of leave a statement because if you know if come the start of the season they're still sort of struggling then you know Mm -hmm. we've seen how easily managers can be dismissed at Premier League clubs and um, for me if he gets a good result at City that will give him an extra bit of job security and of course uh, if he does do that as well then be nice to get him across the M62 and uh, join him with the celebrations later. And, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be a helicopter or two flying across. No problem. <laughs> okay, so as much fun as we've had with this, it's time to bring it down to brass tacks and reality. How many points do we think Man City are getting on the last day of the season when they potentially have to win to win the league title? James, Villa are taking a point. Okay, bold. I like it. Ben, what are you saying? You know, you know what? It's it's my birthday. I feel like it's written in the stars. I'm I'm gonna be turning 24 and I want Liverpool to lift their t- the 20th Premier League title. So I'm saying the same thing. Willie are taking a point. Wow, okay. You guys are very much narrative FC. I'm into it. Um personally, I do think that this one feels like a heartbreaking um gallant vi- um defeat for Aston Villa, but I've been outvoted. Aston Villa will get a point at the Etihad. Now, final fixture, the floater, as I mentioned. Premier League have not decided when Manchester City will play against Wolves, the game that was meant to be this weekend, but obviously they're in the FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool. So if Liverpool beat them and they're no longer in the FA Cup, then the chances are this fixture will fall in either side of um, the West Ham game. So either midweek after Newcastle or the last midweek of the season. If they are in the Champions League semi-final as well, then it will definitely be that last midweek, which creates quite the problem because by that point, it might be very, very tight. Now, we've kind of flagged this one up a little bit throughout the show, James. Wolves give Manchester City problems arguably more than any other team except Liverpool. And they have had some shocking results and performances at Molyneux. I feel like, personally, this might be their toughest fixture left. How do you feel? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm mostly just hoping that it does fall then and Wolves tire them out nicely ahead of ahead of the Villa narrative game. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's a chance. They cause nuts. Like you say, the form books potentially give Wolves a decent shot and Man City are a team who do have bogey teams more than other sides I would suggest like there's most games of the year you'll say okay they're going to win that routinely but then there's fixtures that come around time and time again where they seem to struggle with it whether that's 
coincidence or whether it's just indicative of there's a, there's a few sides who happen to play in a way which is is sort of anathema to Guardiola. You know, it, it, with the Liverpool caps on, we'll say that it's the latter and it gives Wolves a better chance. Um, it's the same. It's the same as I would say with Liverpool. It, these are two teams with strong mentalities. Um, even Guardiola, who we, we like to talk about his overthinking and you know his meltdowns, <laughs> he's another one who does know how to keep his side focused. We saw it very much in eighteen nineteen. Um, and so I do think, with with uh, with it on the line, he'll probably find a way to beat Wolves. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right to flag it up. I do think it's one of the trickier ones in the running. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was the reverse fixture was what the one nil where a red card and a bit of a dodgy penalty decided it. So mm-hmm. if, if we're looking at even this season form, it's not like they've they've had it easy. Um, I, I'll tell you now, I'm going to give Man City three points, but it's going to be close. Okay, well, thanks for that spoiler, uh, <laughs> Ben. I, I feel like the the fixture list may well work against City in this one as well. I mean, we we're talking about if they achieve what they want to achieve, i.e., beating Liverpool to reach the FA Cup final and getting through the Champions League to that final as well. That means that this game will have be just days before the FA Cup final just after a potential Champions League second leg. And they'll have two more games to squeeze in in the last week of the season. So once again, rotation might come in. This might be the lesser priority of two or three. And that might give Wolves the edge. Yeah, potentially. I, I will say, um, you know, I think a lot a lot of uh, Wolves' good results, the key factor in that has been Adama Traore, who will no longer cause City problems, unfortunately which is a real shame. Um, but I, I'm with James on this. I think it's going to be three points. I think um, they might rotate, but I think it's the Aston Villa game that's going to decide mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I think they'll, they'll. this is the one that where they're going to tire out, but they're going to put their blood, sweat and tears on the line and get the victory just so they're in contention. And then, Come the Villa game, that's when they'll be exhausted and mentally drained. And uh... I feel like you guys are trying to sell the rights to this. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. Why, why Honestly, I, I need Wolves to lose that game. Otherwise, Villa is almost meaningless. So we, <laughs> we have to set it up. <laughs> hey, give the people what they want. Now, personally, I thought this was the one that they were going to lose. Genuinely, I, I, and I'm still saying it out loud into a microphone. I think Man City lose this game. But I have been overruled. We are giving them three points, and that gives them a final total. I'm adding things up right of 91 points, which means, ladies and gentlemen, we have predicted that Liverpool win the Premier League by one point. The perfect repost to the 18 19 season. Now, this has already been a bumper show, you may well have noticed, but we wanted to go through all the ins and outs and give you all of the information you needed as we go through these nail-biting five weeks of the season to go. You may disagree. I'm sure you will. Let us know what you think the final points total will be in the comments. James, Ben, this has been a very, very fun way to spend my time. Thank you very much. And to all you out there, see you next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.